Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I'm here with yet another high demand coach, and that is Clayton Stenson. He's an innovator in the business coaching space. Now, his focus is on helping visionary business owners and their second in command develop strong communication, understand each other, and appreciate and leverage each other's strengths, especially within the EOS or Entrepreneurial Operating System. Now, he helps businesses of all sizes develop healthy team dynamics and break through the next level. And I'm so excited to have him here. So, Clayton, welcome to the show. Uh, we've been talking for a long time and then realized I was like, I've got to have you on the show. So, I'm excited to have you here. I'm particularly excited to explore how you help visionaries and their second in command. Uh, sometimes we call them operators or integrators. And uh, uh, so we'll get to all that in a second. But before we go there, I'd love to just hear a little bit about what you were doing before you were coaching and how that ultimately led you to make the leap into the space. Yeah, for sure. So before I before I was coaching, I was an uh, integrator, uh, second in command of a construction company. Uh, we had about 20 staff about eight million revenue and i you know even prior to that i worked actually at a, as a church uh at a church and i was kind of in a second in command type role there as well so i had two two experiences working with visionaries and companies that as you would call it were in whitewater right where i was uh you know helping to navigate change and, and improve systems and bring clarity uh to those organizations and i really enjoyed that work and um, as time kind of progressed, I realized I wanted to branch out and, and have my own business that just gave me a little more freedom uh, to to kind of make my own schedule a little bit and be a little more present with my my own children. I have three boys, six, four and two. So, uh, yeah, back about three years ago, I decided to branch out and, uh, and do my own thing. That's fantastic. So um, tell us a little bit. What would you say is the most important work that you do for your clients right now? Um, well, my company name is the Unity Guide, and I think that is the most important thing that I do is just helping them to get unified. I just find that when I come into a, a, a new client situation, I find very often that there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray areas, right? Like there's, you know, you know, you you ask people, you know, kind of what's your job description? They don't know, right? What's your job title? Uh, I think it's this. Right. And there's just so much gray as far as who's supposed to do what and uh, who reports to who and all that kind of thing. So quite often, you know, from a fractional, like sometimes I do fractional integrator work as well. You know, that's that's probably the main thing that I'm working working on 
is uh, is just really helping to remove the gray and get everybody super clear on what what they're doing. As far as the coaching of the relationship with the vision with the visionary and the integrator, you know, usually I always I use a lot of marriage analogies uh, when I when I'm coaching visionaries and integrators because you know my own marriage. So I've been married for twelve and a half years, and I found that we spent way too much of the first. 10 years of our marriage trying to change each other. And what I what I found was it wasn't until we stopped trying to change each other that we really started to have a, a, a much better marriage, a much better relationship. And I find that it's the same uh, with, with visionaries and integrators quite often. They're a little frustrated because the other person isn't like them. Uh, so I'll give you an example. Actually, my, my second visionary I worked with uh, at the construction company um, when I, after I left working there and he decided he wanted to hire a new integrator, he called me and said, Clayton, I'm really missing, you know, what you were doing. And I've got somebody that I think could be the integrator. My mm-hmm. only concern is Clayton is he's not visionary enough. And I just started laughing. Right. And I said to him, you're, you, you're missing the point, <laughs> right? Like you and I didn't work well together because I was visionary like you. You and I have worked well together because I was integrator. I was high on integrator and I could bring things to the table that you couldn't. Right. And that's why we work together well. So, so yeah, I think quite often there's that element of you have to accept, you know, that you can't do it all yourself. Right. And you need another person and then just learning how to, you know, work together well is, Mm. is. So there's a couple of points in there that really jumped out at me. One is this idea yeah. of unity and you're talking about gray areas. And one of the things I've seen in team dynamics is oftentimes we don't go into the gray area because of this kind of desire for unity. Oh, if I do that, that's going to be in a really difficult conversation with that person. Or if I do that, it's going to step on their toes or if I eat, right? So uh, it, it's interesting that the very thing that you're going in and helping them do is oftentimes preserved for the sake of the very thing you're going into create right in unity so why is it that you know that those difficult conversations of creating clarity even when it's uncomfortable why is it that that ultimately drives unity yeah it's a very good point that you raise because you're you know i i find so one of the things that i always say is you need to run towards hard conversations don't put them off Right. Because that's what we tend to do. Right. As we we just, you know, I'm just, I'll, I'll do that next week. I'll do that tomorrow. Right. But the longer you put it off, the harder it is, the bigger it is in your mind. And then you're probably less and less likely to do it. And then it might go a year. And then there's all these unintended consequences that happen. And I'm dealing that with one with that with one of my clients right now. There's a lot of things that are being unveiled gradually as i ask questions and and meet the team and you know i'm i'm seeing wow like there's a lot of dysfunction that's been created because people somebody or multiple people didn't have the hard conversation that they should have had a year and a half ago um so a lot of what i do like a lot of my coaching is okay let's have like let's get it on the schedule like right now right like oh no i don't have time oh no let's make it let's do it tomorrow Right. Like we we really need to address this. I'll be in the room. I'll help you navigate that conversation. Um, but I'll just use the marriage analogy one analogy one more time. It's 
often those hard conversations that build the most uh, intimacy mm. afterwards, right? Yeah. It's like when, when you go there and you fight, like a friend of mine, he called me the other day. He's like, oh, my wife blew up on me the other day. And I said, oh, that's good. <laughs> I said, I said, dude, that's good. I'm glad. He's like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, well, she's an introvert. You're an extrovert. She she needs that. You guys need to have those hard conversations and she needs to tell you how she feels. And a lot of it's the same. It's the same in, in the relationship in the business world as well. Yeah. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and hit on another yeah. point that, that kind of came up as you're talking uh, through it. And, and that was this idea of, you know, the number two, right? And, you know, different models have different names for them. And uh, But what I'd love to hear from you, it, it, it's one thing to recognize I need some help. You know, that that's I found visionaries tend to come to that conclusion very quickly. What is not so easy to recognize is who's the right person to do that. So the question that I have for you is what is it that makes a great number two? What should a visionary be looking for? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll answer that in a couple of ways. The first one I'll say, if you're going to promote from within, um, I think really two things, trust. Right. I think I think the reason why I did so well as the integrator in that first construction role is because I was the owner of the visionaries pastor prior to me working with him. So there was a high level of trust. We had about 10 year relationship. I'd worked with him for three years. So he trusted me to the point where he he gave me the reins essentially and stepped away like he did not. He was not very involved with the company anymore. So I think trust, if you're going to promote from within, trust is extremely important. And then they have to have. Well, they have to want it, right? Like they have to get it and want it. I, I got promoted because I came to him with a list of everything he complained about, right? And a list of how I would fix it if I were him and I got promoted. So I got it as an EOS, right? You get it. Mm -hmm. I got it, wanted it, and I had the capacity to do it. And he trusted me, right? So I think if you're promoting from within, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be, you know, those things. Uh, if you're hiring from outside, it's it's probably similar, uh, except you're going to need to look for a uh, track record, right? You're going to have to be able to see, you know, has this person done something similar before? You know, it's a little little different. Promoting from within is, you know, it's going to be, you know, cheaper, <laughs> right? Usually than hire from outside. Uh, so it's a little, a little trickier, you know, to, there's both sides is a little trickier, right? It's nice to promote from within, but it's hard to, you know, identify if the person's the right fit culturally. On the outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, and, and I see this happen all the time. You brought it up in your example earlier, but what I've found, um, what, what the visionary is, okay, this, I need help here, right? We're screwing this up. I need someone I need and fill in the blank. I need someone to you know, help manage all these people. Cause they're driving me crazy or, uh, help you know keep the operations moving because I, I just can't tolerate it anymore. Or, you know, there, there's something they're trying to get rid of. And then they're looking at it and, uh, I see this happen all the time. It's like, well, what do you need from that person? They go through the list and it's basically, I need them to do everything that I do. And I need them to do all the things that I hate to do, right? Like I've, they have to be capable of everything that I'm good at. They share all my strengths, none of my weaknesses, and all of these other strengths as well. Uh, and, uh, and so what are the things, uh, let me turn the question around. What, what, do, uh, what does a great number two not need to do? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, what does a number two not need to do? I would say... Typically, a number two is not going to be a salesperson, right? Uh, the visionary is is often 
uh, a good salesperson and big, big, you know, big relationship management type person. I would say the number two doesn't need to necessarily uh, do that. Often, I think the best number twos are the the ones that don't really care if they have the microphone. <laughs> you know, uh, if they have, they don't care if they they really are you know the center of attention. They they a lot of them like to be kind of behind the scenes. Uh, you know, make things happen. You know, grease the wheels and and get everything kind of firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, so I would say if you're if you're looking to hire a second in command or promote one, you know, you might want to check. You know, make sure that you're not looking for them to do that. You're still going to need to have the mic. For example, I facilitated all leadership meetings when I was integrator that first time, um, but I always said, you know, visionary, I need you to hype the people up, right? Like I need you to come to the quarterly meeting and do the vision casting, and you know, and and you know, he was a lot more outgoing, you know, uh, friendlier, friendlier, kind of a, you know, fun guy, you know, so I needed him, you know, to, to do that. So every situation can be a little bit different, but those are a couple of things that come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. So to extend your, your marriage uh, metaphor, if you will, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. a lot of couples tend to have fights around you know, how they parent or the budget, right. Or how they spend money or cleanliness and hygiene, right. Yeah. So there's, there's some classic fights in a marriage environment. What are some of the classic fights or challenges in a, a, a number one, number two relationship? Yeah, I would say a classic fight from the visionary's perspective, because uh, I'll do it from both angles, right? From the visionary's perspective, I think a, a common frustration they would have is, you know, they're poking holes in everything. <laughs> Every idea that I have, you know, the integrator or second in command is, is you know, is shut, shutting it down, has, has reasons why everything is not going to work, <laughs> right? Like, because they, they're analytical, right? They're logical. They're thinking through everything. So that can be very frustrating. Uh, for the for the visionary, but I think they need to learn to embrace that and trust that um, if it is a good meet, if it is a good idea, it will survive the gauntlet of that you know yeah. Uh, yeah. processing by the visionary or by the integrator. Sorry, and from an integrator's perspective, I think the most common thing is I think they get most frustrated. <laughs> probably just by visionaries, you know, uh, not following through on things and, you know, not um, having the meetings that they said they were going to have, or, you know, just kind of that lack of commitment to the, to the relationship. I think that would be um, one of the biggest things. And then also letting go, right. Like them not trusting the, the second in command to, to really run with things. I was pretty blessed in that first opportunity where I had so much trust, he just basically gave me the wheel and, and walked away. He bought three other mm. businesses that, but don't, that's not common. Right. right. Uh, that, so, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of, mar- there's a lot of marriage dynamic type stuff happening here. And so I think a relationship coach in some situations is, is really good just to have that second person in the room or third person in the room to kind of help people see, you know, what, yeah. uh, what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Uh, all right, so here's a question I like to ask all my guests, uh, and it's this. It, what is the biggest secret that you wish was not a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish everybody listening today knew? Mm-hmm. I think I'll, I'll come back to what I said earlier. Um, the gold is in the hard conversations, right? Run towards them. Because um, I, I think 
people don't realize that like that that is just i've seen it time and time again you go in you know I, i've had so many hard conversations with one of my new clients recently and it's just been it's been amazing what we've seen come out of it and how you know we've discovered things that were blind spots for us we've been able to identify you know um passions that team members had that we wouldn't have known otherwise unless we had that hard conversation and now we're just starting to get people kind of slotted in the right spots and we've just identified who needs to be hired to add to the team like it's just been it's been gold like to be honest it's been it's been pretty hard right to to stay in this kind of zone of hard conversations but it's having some incredible fruit and yeah. I'm like the present <laughs> I think um one of the things that happens with difficult conversations is it's very difficult for for wrong assumptions to thrive right it's it's very difficult and because we walk in i remember i did this exercise i think i've even mentioned it on a past episode but uh we had this guy coming in he was doing process design and it was just this cool exercise we said okay write two columns what are all the things that you know and you start writing down he's like okay second column what are all the things that you assume and it's like, oh, shoot, you know, it's like scratching out all the things on the no column and realize like there are very few things that I actually legitimately know about this situation. And there are a whole lot of assumptions happening. And when you kind of yeah. mix that propensity to assume with interpersonal relationships, you can see how it gets very complicated, very messy, very quickly. And uh, and and when we when we hold back, those things just stir and stir and stir in our mind. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's, 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 it, it, it's scary to have those hard conversations because it might be my fault, <laughs> right? Uh, something might be my fault. And I think I read a great book recently. I'm going to put a plug in here for a friend of mine, uh, Tim Spiker. He wrote a book called The Only Leaders Worth Following. I don't know if you've read it, but he, uh, he talks about how, you know, how we need to be inwardly sound as leaders. And when I, when I read that book, I was just so impacted by it. And I think we have to be secure and settled enough in ourselves yeah. and in, in who we are as a person to be able to go into a conversation that's hard and accept the fact without getting defensive that I did something wrong and then yeah. own it and do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Uh, what is it? Uh, others focused and inwardly sound, I think, or the. Yeah. Inwardly sound and others focused. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, all right. So, uh, again, I'm going to kind of shift gears on us here and I'd like for you to, uh, take your coach hat off for a second and put your CEO hat on, jump into the ring with the rest of us and tell us what's the next stage of growth look like for you and your business and what challenges we have to overcome to get there. Yeah. So in business three years and I've been learning, you know, non-stop <laughs> a lot of things and constantly out of my comfort zone and um for me the next phase i you know so I, just a little bit about my business so i'm, I'm doing about half time i'm doing fractional integrator work uh which i which i really love i love being in the in the trenches and you know solving problems uh i learn a lot there and and have an opportunity to help people uh the other half of my business uh i, I do the coaching right so the relationship coaching and coaching integrators and, and visionaries and long term my goal is to you know to be in the in the coaching world i just i feel a call towards that um i experienced what it's like uh to have an unhealthy visionary integrator relationship the first visionary that i worked with 
And I just feel this call to solve that problem and to help people with that. So biggest things that I need to do is I, I just need to figure out uh, sales and marketing. You know, like I, 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 I can help people, but I need to figure out how do I, how do I get the word out there and how do I, you know, build, build that presence. And I think I'm well on my way, but that's probably the biggest thing that I'm, I'm working on this next, uh, yeah. next uh, year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, now I know there's some folks listening that, you know, there's visionaries sitting in there thinking like, Oh, I've had so many, like, uh, I've, this is, it's like everything that you're saying is like, yep, 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 yep. So they're just resonating with all of it. Uh, and they want to know, uh, what do I do? Right. Uh, so how can folks find out more about your work and, and how you can help? Yeah. So they can go to the, my website, which is just the, the unity guide.com. Uh, and, and on there, they can book a call with me. I do a, a free consultation. Uh, I'm, I'm all about adding value as much as possible, you know, so I'll jump on a call with them and just chat about their situation, and, you know, give some, give some, uh, advice that might help them. And, and if it's a good fit, I'm not a salesy guy, if it's a good fit, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about maybe working together. If, if not, you know, I'll, I'll give them something, some other, uh, recommendations or books or whatever that'll help them. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, so yes, if, if you're out there, you're a visionary and you either don't have a, a number two or you're struggling with your number two or you're in that number two seat, which is there's not a lot of content out there for number twos, right? There, there's you know, there's a lot of stuff written for CEOs. There's a lot of stuff lit, written for leaders in general, but there's very, very little uh, resource out there dedicated specifically to number twos. So sp for those of you who are in that spot, that you know, that, that, you know, first leader who has to be a follower as well. It's just, it's a very unique challenge to be in. And uh, genuinely saying this, I can't think of anyone better suited to help you navigate those waters than Clayton. Um, and I, I don't say that lightly, but uh, from what I know of him, uh, just a, an absolutely profound understanding and a heart just to see you succeed. So Clayton, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, it was just an absolute pleasure having you here. It was a brilliant conversation. Um, and for those of you who are listening or watching, your time and attention mean the absolute world to us. You know that, and we're so thankful. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did, and I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any of those episodes, go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.